This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, and they have over 100,000 titles available for download. Visit audibletrial.com slash thescaldcircle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today. It's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and listen to part three of chapter two of the high deeds of Finn and other bardic romances of ancient Ireland, as told by my new Before we begin our story, we wanted to remind you that we release new tales for free every week. Our shorter tales release on Wednesdays, and our longer chapter stories release on every other Saturday. Find out where you can hear them on our website at thescaldcircle.com. And be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out on one of our enchanting tales from around the world. Now then, without further ado, this is The High Deeds of Finn and Other Bardic Romances of Ancient Ireland. The servants of the king were then sent with Brian and his brothers to the king's treasure chamber to measure out the gold. And as they did so, Brian suddenly snatched the skin from the hands of him who held it and swiftly wrapped it round his body. Then the three brothers drew sword and made for the door and had a great fight arose in the king's palace. But they hewed and thrust manfully on every side of them, and though sorely wounded, they fought their way through and escaped to the shore, and drove their boat out to sea, whereupon the skin of the magic pig quickly made them whole and sound again. And thus the second quest of the sons of Turin had its end. Let us now, said Brian, go to seek the spear of the king of Persia. In what manner of guise shall we go before the king of Persia, said his brothers. As we did before the king of Greece, said Brian. That guise served us well with the king of Greece, replied they. Nevertheless, O Brian, this business of professing to be poets when we are but swordsmen is extremely painful to us. However, they dressed their hair in the manner of poets and went up boldly to the palace of the king of Persia, saying, as before, that they were wandering bards from Ireland who had a poem to recite before the king. And as they passed through the courtyard, they marked the spear dousing in its pot of sleepy herbs. They were made welcome. And after listening to the lays of the king's minstrel, Brian rose and sang, Tis little Persia cares for spears, since armies, when his face they see, all overcome with panic fears. Without a wound, they turn and flee. The yew is monarch of the wood. No other tree disputes its claim. The shining shaft in venom stewed flies fiercely forth to kill and maim. Tis a very good poem, said the king. But, O oh, bard from Erin, I do not understand your reference to my spear. It is merely this, replied Brian, that I would like your spear as a reward for my poem. Then the king stared at Brian, and his beard bristled with anger, and he said, Never was a greater reward paid for any poem than not to adjudge you guilty of instant death for your request. Then Brian flung at the king the fourth golden apple, which he had taken from the garden of Heraspides and it dashed out his brains. Immediately, the brothers all drew sword and made for the courtyard. Here they seized the magic spear, and with it and with their swords they fought the way clear. 
not without many wounds, mind you, and escaped their boat. And thus ended the third quest of the Sons of Turin. Now, having come safely and victoriously through so many straits and perils, they began to be merry and hoped that the Eric might yet be paid. So they sailed away with high hearts to the island of Sicily, to get the two horses and the chariot of the king, and the boat of Manon bore them swiftly and well. Having arrived here, they debated amongst themselves as to how they should approach, and they agreed to present themselves as Irish mercenary soldiers, for such were wont in those days to take service with foreign kings, until they should learn where the horses and the chariot were kept, and how they should come at them. Then they went forward, and found the king and his lords in the palace garden, taking in the air. The sons of Turin then paid homage to him, and he asked them of their business. We are Irish mercenary soldiers, they said, seeking our wages from the kings of the world. Are you willing to take service with me? said the king. We are, said they, and to that end are we come. Then their contract of military service was made, and they remained at the king's court for a month and a fortnight, and did not in all that time come to see the steeds of the chariot. At last, Brian said, Things are going ill with us, my brethren, and that we know no more at this day of the steeds or of the chariot than when we first arrived at this place. What shall we do then? said they. Let us do this, said Brian. Let us gird on our arms and all our marching array, and tell the king that we shall quit his service unless he show us the chariot. And so they did, and the king said, Tomorrow shall be a gathering and parade of all my host, and the chariot shall be there, and ye shall see it if ye have a mind. So the next day the steeds were yoked and the chariot was driven round a great plain before the king and his lords. Now these steeds could run as well on sea as on dry land, and they were swifter than the winds of March. As the chariot came round the second time, Brian and his brother seized the horses' heads, and Brian took the charioteer by the foot and flung him over the rail, and they all leaped into the chariot and drove away. Such was the swiftness of their driving that they were out of sight ere the king and his men even knew what had rightfully befallen them. And thus ended the fourth quest of the sons of Turin. Next, they betook themselves to the court of Azel, king of the Golden Pillars, to get the seven swine which might be eaten every night, and they would again be whole and well on the next morn. But it had now been noised about every country that three young heroes from Erin were plundering the kings of the world of their treasures in payment of a mighty Eric. And when they arrived at the land of the Golden Pillars, they found the harbour guarded and a straight watch kept that no one who might resemble the sons of Turin should enter. But Azel the king came to the harbour mouth and spoke with the heroes, for he was desirous to see those who had done the great deeds that he had heard of. He asked them if it were true that they had done such things, and why. Then Brian told him the story of the mighty Eric which had been laid upon them, and what they had done and suffered in fulfilling it. Why, said King Azel, have ye now come to my country? For the seven swine, said Brian, to take them with us as a part of that Eric. <laughs> and how do you mean to get them? asked the king. Why, uh, with your good will, of course, replied Brian. 
if it so may be, and to pay you therefore with all the wealth we now have, which is thanks and love, and to stand by your side hereafter in any strait or quarrel you may enter into. But if you would not grant us a swine, and we would not be quit of our Eric without them, we shall even take them as we may, and as we have before time taken mighty treasures from mighty kings such as you. Then King Asel went into council with his lords, and he advised that the swine be given to the sons of Turin, partly for he was moved with their desperate plight and the hardihood that they had shown, and partly that they might get them whether or not. To this they all agreed, and the sons of Turin were invited to come ashore, where they were courteously and hospitably entertained in the king's palace. On the morrow the pigs were given to them, and great was their gladness, for never before had they won a treasure without toil and blood. And they vowed that if they should live, the name of Azel should be made by them a great and shining name, for his compassion and generosity which he had shown them. This, then, was the fifth quest of the sons of Turin. And whither do ye voyage now? said Azel to them. We go, said they, to lure away for the hound's whelp which is there. Well, take me with you then, said Azel, for the king of Loraway is husband to my daughter, and I may prevail upon him to grant you the hound without combat. So the king's ship was manned and provisioned, and the sons of Turin laid upon their treasures in the boat of Manon, and they all sailed joyfully forth to the pleasant kingdom of Loraway. But here too, they found all the coasts and harbours guarded, and the entrance was forbidden to them. Then Azel declared who he was, and him they allowed to land, and he journeyed to where his son-in-law, the king of Loraway, was. To him, Azel related the whole story of the sons of Turin, and why they were coming to that kingdom. Thou were a fool, said the king of Loraway, to have come on such a mission. There are no three heroes in the world to whom the immortals have granted such grace that they would get my hound, either by favour or by fight. That is not a good word, said Azel, for the treasures they now possess have made them yet stronger than they were, and these they won in the teeth of kings as strong as thou. And much more he said to him to persuade him to yield up the hound, but it was in vain. So Azel took his way back to the haven where the sons of Turin lay, and told them his tidings. Then the sons of Turin seized the magic spear and the pigskin, and with a rush like that of three eagles descending from a high cliff upon a lambfold, they burst upon the guards of the king of Loraway. Fierce and fell was the combat that ensued, and many times the brothers were driven apart, and all but overborne by the throng of their foes. But at last Brian perceived where the king of Loraway was directing the fight, and he cut his way to him. And having smitten him to the ground, he bound him and carried him out of the press to the haven side where Azel was. There, he said, is your son-in-law for you, Azel. And I swear by my sword that I had more easily killed him thrice than once to bring him thus bound to you. That is very like, said Azel, but now hold him to ransom. So the people of Loraway gave the hound to the sons of Turin as a ransom for their king, and the king was released, and friendship and alliance were made between them. And with joyful hearts the sons of Turin bade farewell to the king of Loraway and to Azel, and departed on their way. Thus was the sixth of their quests fulfilled. Now Lulam Fodder desired to know how the sons of Turin had fared.
and whether they had got any portion of the great Eric that might be serviceable to him when the Fomorians should return for one more struggle. And by sorcery and divination, it was revealed to him how they had thrived, and that not remained to be one save the cooking spit of the sea nymphs, and to give three shouts upon the hill. Lou then, by druidic art, caused a spell of oblivion and forgetfulness to descend upon the sons of Turin, and put into their hearts with Null a yearning and passion to return to their native land of Erin. They forgot, therefore, that a portion of the Eric was still to be won, and they bade the boat of man and bear them home with their treasures, for they deemed that they should now quit them of all their debt for the blood of Kyand, and live free in their father's home, having done such things and won such fame as no three brothers have ever done since the world began. At the brew of Boyne, where they had started their quest, their boat came ashore again, and as they landed they wept for joy, and falling on their knees they kissed the green sod of Erin. Then they took up their treasures and journeyed to the Benedda, where the High King of Ireland and Lou with him were holding an assembly of the people of Dana. But when Lou heard that they were on their way, he put on his cloak of invisibility and withdrew privily to Tara. When the brethren arrived at Benedda, the High King of the Lords of the Danans gave them welcome and applause, for all were rejoiced that the stain of ancient feud and bloodshed should be wiped out, and that the children of Dana should be at peace with their borders. Then they sought for Lou to deliver over the Eric, but he was not to be found. And Brian said, He has gone to Tara to avoid us, having heard that we were coming with our treasures and weapons of war. Word was then sent to Lou at Tara that the sons of Turin were at Beneda, and the Eric with them. Let them pay it over to the High King, said Lou. So it was done, and when Lou had tidings that the High King had the Eric, he returned to Benedda. Then the Eric was laid before him, and Brian said, Is the debt paid, O Lou, son of Kyan? Lou said, Truly, truly, there is here the price of any man's death. But it is not lawful to give a quittance for an Eric that is not complete. Where now is the cooking spit from the island of Fincorry? And have ye given the three shouts upon the hill of Mokin? At this word, Brian and Lucar and Lucarbra fell prone upon the ground and were speechless a while from grief and dismay. After a while they left the assembly like broken men, with hanging heads and with heavy steps, and betook themselves to Dunterin, where they found their father, and they told him what had befallen them since they had parted with him and set forth on the quest. Thus they passed the night in gloom and evil forebodings, and on the morrow they went down once more to the place where the boat of Manon was moored. And Ethne, their sister, accompanied them, wailing and lamenting, but no words of cheer had they now to say to her, for now they had begun to comprehend that a mightier and a craftier mind had caught them in the net of fate. And whereas they had deemed themselves heroes and victors in the most glorious quest whereof the earth had ever recorded, they now knew that they were but as arrows in the hands of a laughing archer, who shoots one at a stag and one at the heart of a foe, and one, if it may be, in sheer wantonness, and to try his bow over a cliff edge into the sea. However, they put forth in their magic boat, but in no wise could they direct it to the Isle of Fincorry, and a quarter of a year they travelled the seaways and never could get tidings of that island. At last Brian fashioned for himself, by magic art, a water dress, 
with a helmet of crystal, and into the depths of the sea he plunged. Here, the story tells, he searched hither and thither for a fortnight, till at last he found that island, which was an island indeed, with the sea over it, and around it, and beneath it. There dwelt the red-headed ocean nymphs, in glittering palaces among the sea flowers, and they wrought fair embroidery with gold and jewels, and they sang, as they wrought, a fairy music like the chiming of silver bells. Three fifties of them sat and played in their great hall as Brian entered, and they gazed on him, but spoke no word. Then Brian strode to the wide hearth, and without a word he seized from it a spit that was made of beaten gold, and turned again to go. But at that the laughter of the sea maidens rippled through the hall, and one of them said, Thou art a bold man, Brian, and bolder than thou knowest. For if thy two brothers were here, the weakest of us could vanquish all three. Nevertheless, take the spit for thy daring. We had never granted it for thy prayers. So Brian thanked them and bade farewell, and he rose to the surface of the water. Ere long his brethren perceived him as he shouldered the waves on the bosom of the deep, and they sailed to where he was and took him on board. And thus ended the quest for the seventh portion of the Eric of Kyan. After that their hopes revived a little, and they set sail for the land of Lochlan, in which was the hill of Mokin. When they had arrived at the hill of Mokin, came out to meet them with his three sons, Cork and Con and Hugh. Nor did the sons of Turin ever behold a band of grimmer and mighty warriors than those four. What seek ye here? asked Mokin of them. They told him that it had been laid upon them to give three shots upon the hill. It hath been laid upon me, said Mokin, to prevent this thing. Then Brian and Mokin drew sword and fell furiously upon each other. And their fighting was like that of two hungry lions or two wild bulls, until at last Brian drove his sword into the throat of Mokin, and he died. With that the sons of Mokin and the sons of Turin rushed fiercely upon each other. Long and sore was the strife that they had, and the blood that fell made red the grassy place wherein they fought. Not one of them but received wounds that pierced him through and through. And that heroes of less hardihood had died a score of times. But in the end the sons of Mokin fell, and Brian, Lucar, and Lucarbra lay over them in a swoon like death. After a while, Brian's senses came back to him and he said, Do ye live, dear brothers, so how is it with you? We're as good as dead, they said. Let us be. Arise, then said Brian, for truly I feel death coming swiftly upon us, and we have yet to give the three shouts upon the hill. We cannot stir, said Lucar and Lucarbra. Then Brian rose to his knees and to his feet, and he lifted up his two brothers while the blood of all three streamed down to their feet, and they raised their voices as best they might and gave three hoarse cries upon the hill of Mokin, and thus was the last of the epic fulfilled. Then they bound up their wounds and Brian placed himself between the two brothers, and slowly and painfully they made their way to the boat and put out to sea for Ireland, and as they lay in a stupor of faintness in the boat, one murmured to himself, I see the cape of Benedar and the coast of Turin, and Tsar of the kings. Then Lucar and Lucarbra entreated Brian to lift their heads upon his breast. Let us but see the land of Erin again, 
said they. The hills around Titlin and the dewy plains of Berger, and the quiet waters of the Boyne and our father's dune thereby. And healing will come to us, or if death come, we can endure it after that. Then Brian raised them up, and they saw that they were down near under by the Beneda, and at the strand of the bull they took land. They were then conveyed to the dune of Turin, and life was still in them when they were lain in their father's hall. And Brian said to the Turin, Go now, dear father, with all speed to Lou at Tara. Give them the cooking spit, and tell how thou hast found us after giving our three shouts upon the hill of Mokin. Then beseech him that he yield thee the loan of the pigskin of the king of Greece. For if it be laid upon us while the life is yet still in us, we shall recover. We have won the Eric, and it may be that he will not pursue us into death. Torin went to Lewin, gave him the spit of the Sienims, and besought him for the lives of his son. Lew was silent for a while, but his countenance did not change, and he said, Thou old man seest not but the cloud of sorrow wherein thou art encompassed. But I hear from above it the singing of the immortal ones, who tell to one another the story of this land. Thy sons must die. Yet I have shown to them more mercy than they showed to Cain. I have forgiven them. Nor shall they live to slay their own immortality. But the royal bards of Aaron and the old man in the chimney corner shall tell of their glory and their fate as long as a land shall endure. Then Turin bowed his white head and went sorrowfully back to Dunturin, and he told his son of the words that Lu has said. And with that, the sons of Turin kissed each other, and the breath of life departed from them, and they died. And Turin died also for his heart was broken in him, and Ethne, his daughter, buried them in one grave. And thus ends the tale of the quest of the Eric and the fate of the sons of Turin. And that is part three of chapter two of the High Deeds of Finn and other Bardic romances from ancient Ireland, as told by Minogan. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, we recommend taking a look at our Patreon page as noted in the description below. You can earn great rewards while also supporting us to keep these stories alive for future generations to come. Also remember to subscribe to us on your podcast application and leave us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this story. A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. Without your contribution, we wouldn't be able to continue these stories, and we truly appreciate it. Visit thescaldcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current events, news, and much more. Not only that, but you can also visit our story archive of every tale we have told. It's sorted by origin and region for the convenience of your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening to our story. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. While this story is over, you can still visit audibletrial.com slash the scald circle to begin your trial and download your free audiobook today let us know what you've listened to recently on audible via our facebook page we're always looking for new recommendations